Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. The FT. Welcome to World Weekly with me, Ben Hall. On the show this week, we'll be discussing Japan's elections this Sunday and what they mean for the future of the world's third largest economy. Prime Minister Shinzo Abe's decision to call snap elections only two years into his term perplexed many people in Japan and abroad. Was it simply cover for a U-turn on a planned rise in consumption tax after a rise earlier this year plunged an economy that was recovering, albeit tentatively, from two decades of deflation back into recession? Or was it bigger, a prime minister seeking a renewed mandate for more, yet more radical steps to kickstart inflation and growth? Joining me down the line is Ben McCannahan, the FT's Tokyo correspondent, and David Pilling, the FT's Asia editor, a former Tokyo bureau chief and author of Bending Adversity, Japan and the Art of Survival. Talking of adversity and survival, Ben, there isn't that much really at stake for Shinzo Abe here, is there? He's going to win very easily. Yeah, he's in no risk of losing this. Uh, but there is quite a lot at stake. All eyes are on the extent to which he'll extend or perhaps suffer a slight reduction in his majority. Um, the result of the election is an absolute foregone conclusion. Uh, there is no chance of any loss of power and no real chance of significant gains by the minority parties. But as I say, this, this is a question of the extent of the, um, the majority he can hang on to. What sort of mandate is he actually looking to get from this election? Well, he set the bar very low. He said that he'll step down... If he loses his majority, which will be about, I think, 270 seats up to 475. But um, what he wants is more time, essentially. He wants to reset the clock on the four-year electoral cycle. And um, there's a saying in Japan, Ishi no wemi mosan nen. Any job that's worth doing is worth doing for three years. And he's been two years um, at this. And there's a sense that he's trying to create. The, the job is unfinished and he needs more time to complete it. David, does that mean that we might expect more radical steps to kickstart the economy, or will it just be a continuation of what he's already started? It's just possible that there'll be more radical steps, but I wouldn't hold your breath. I think, in a sense, we've already seen the radical step. We saw the Bank of Japan redouble its efforts on monetary policy with a huge expansion of its printing. And that was really because inflation was beginning to peter out and there was concerns that the whole experiment would fade. I think you have to go back. And the real point of Abenomics is to go from deflation to inflation. He talks about the third arrow, which is the structural reforms, And those will be very important. But for the moment, the priority number one, two and three is to get out of deflation, to get to sustainable inflation and to get to what Abe keeps talking about and which is this virtuous circle in which you get mild inflation, mild wage rises, more consumption, more production, and so it goes on. And of course, Japan has been in precisely the opposite cycle for 20 years. And in terms of, you know, whether Japan will be able to sign the Trans-Pacific Partnership, whether he'll push ahead with agricultural reform, labor reform, I think there's been a bit of that. 
he talks about the third arrow. It's really more like 10,000 needles. It's more a lot of little measures that may add up to improve productivity in the long run. But the idea that there's a few miracle things he can do and suddenly the economy is going to go roaring ahead, I think, is, um, is not true. International observers in particular tend to put a lot of store by the third arrow, by the structural reforms, as do many Japanese economists. Is this not the moment following this election when he really needs to double down on structural reforms? Well, he certainly could do, but I think you shouldn't expect too much of them. For example, people talk a lot about agricultural reform. And indeed, Japan's agricultural sector is very old-fashioned. There's lots of ageing farmers, tiny plots of land. They could certainly increase productivity quite substantially by, for example, allowing commercial companies to farm much bigger plots of land. And they've already begun to move in that direction. But let's put this in perspective. Agriculture is about 1% of Japan's economy, so they could double productivity and it wouldn't move the needle much in terms of Japan's total growth. So we need to be careful. Of course, there are exemplary things they can do. They can shake up the economy and certainly to shake up agriculture would send a very strong message that there were no sacred cows and he really means business. In that sense, you could argue that, for example, agricultural reform or signing the TPP and some of the other things that are mooted would be important. But I do think that people expect too much of structural reform. Japan's economy has been growing in real terms at about 1% a year. That's with a declining workforce. That means the productivity growth actually isn't too bad. To expect a kind of productivity miracle by making the labor market more flexible or by changing immigration policy or by pushing more women into the workforce, I think people put rather too much store in that and expect, as I say, something of a miracle. And what is really essential to start with is to get from this deflationary mindset into a mildly inflationary one, at which point Japan's economy looks a little better. On which point there must be questions about the wisdom of proceeding with the increase in the consumption tax the first time round. Ben, is Shinzo Abe taking any heat for that decision in these elections? Uh, no, he, he's been very canny. He's distanced himself from it. I mean, he's entitled to it because it wasn't his idea. It was a policy he inherited from the old guys who were there from 2009 to 2012. And in fact, it cost the former Prime Minister Yoshihiko Noda his job as he formed a coalition across political parties to get that two-stage increase passed. So Abbey really has nothing much to do with it. Some of his senior LDP officials do. But no, he's not taking heat for that. And the basis of this election was that um, Japan just wasn't ready just a couple of years into economics to suffer that kind of fiscal contraction. And the evidence of GDP suggested that there was something in that argument. And yet the Japanese people don't seem completely convinced by the need for these elections. They don't really see this as a sort of a new start for Abe, do they? This is a sort of unnecessary political move. No, the way that the consumption tax law was written was that I think Article 18 or 19 gave the government at the time discretion to look at the state of the economy and to decide whether to go ahead with the tax increase or not. And so he's perfectly willing to write just to say no and just continue as he is. Although he's decided to seek a sort of spurious national referendum on it, asking the permission of the people not to put up taxes. It's not a very controversial platform to seek an election. So there's lots of amusement out there as to why it's actually doing this and lots of suspicion as to his real motives. David, from the outside, Shinzo Abe looks like he towers over the Japanese political landscape. So does this suggest that actually he's weaker and more nervous and more defensive than one might imagine? 
Well, I think, as Ben said, he wanted to reset the clock. I think Abe knows that, particularly if the economy goes through more rocky phases, he's also got some other difficult things to do, like try and turn on nuclear reactors. He kind of knows that he's already hit the peak of his support rate, and from here on, it's downhill. So I think his advisor told him, look, if you wait a year, you're going to be worse than if you do it right now. So in a sense, he's cutting his losses, and he's gone out now. It's quite interesting that at the beginning, he was saying, look, even if we lose 25 or 30 seats, that won't be so bad. As a well-known Japanese sophologist said, you don't get to mark your own homework. That's what Abe is trying to do. He's trying to claim a big mandate from something that really isn't a big mandate. It'll be a half-hearted support that will come out. He'll win because, in fact, the protest vote won't come out. and They don't really have anywhere to go anyway because the opposition is in such disarray. So he will claim a big mandate, but all he will have really got is four more years. Very good. We'll see what happens on Sunday. That's it for this week. My thanks to Ben McClanahan and David Pilling. World Weekly is produced by Fiona Simon. Till next week, goodbye. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. Support comes from ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. You've heard the hype around AI. The truth is, AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow is the platform that puts AI to work for people across your business, removing friction and frustration for your employees. Supercharging productivity for your developers. Providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier. All built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people to learn more. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com.